Today's episode of the NFL Show is brought to you by State Farm. When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help. With personalized service, agents are available to talk in person, over text, through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show. I'm Robert Mays, joined as always by Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, buddy? I'm drunk on football right now. Explain yourself. Well, I've just, I mean, I haven't had a sip of alcohol all weekend, but I feel I just, I am been bowled over by four really good games. Yeah, it's it's been a fascinating wildcard weekend. I had the luxury. So you were, I didn't get to watch the Bills-Texans game live. That was the, that was also drunk on football. So I was en route to, to Foxborough, which as you know, uh, is, is an arduous journey. It's like the fourth Lord of the Rings movie to get down there for a Yeah, you get game. to a point, if you drive either from Providence or Boston, you get to a point in every drive where you're like, I'm never leaving this place. I'm going to have to just start a family here. Um, it's like the 1800s. <laughs> you just, I'm just going to just, just build a home right here, a domicile, and uh, and we'll, we'll set it up here. That That's where you get to in about hour two of that commute. And, and not even that. It was when I was coming back. You know the so Brady, Brady gets done with his press conference at maybe one ten, and then I went back into the locker room. I went to the Titans locker room. I go back up to the press box. It's one thirty, and then you do the eternal. Okay, I they don't want this till tomorrow morning. Do I right now or do I go back to the hotel and sleep for three hours, which is what I did. But even driving back to the hotel, you're driving up US one, and it takes a half hour longer than it's supposed to. So it's it's like. It's a football game in Middle Earth. So that part was interesting. But then today was surprising. I mean, I think that both of us thought the Seahawks could win. The The Viking-Saints game is absolutely an outcome that neither of us predicted. So we'll get into all of that. But I, I want to start with the, the, the Titans-Patriots game. I, I wrote about this today. And you guys, you and I both have been around the Patriots Uh, in wins and losses many times in the playoffs over the last decade. Because covering the league the way that we do, they're a fixture. Covering the Patriots, being around the Patriots, you can't avoid it because it's just what the NFL is. And especially in the last seven, eight years when we've been around the league. And I, I was there when they lost to the Eagles. I was in their locker room when they lost to the Broncos. And they, uh, AFC Championship game in 2015. I have never seen a Patriots locker room and never listened to the Patriots, their fixtures, like they were last night. It, even if it, even if we're overstating the fact that it might be the end of something, there was a there was a contemplative nature to guys like Devin McCourty, to guys like Matthew Slater, even to people like Brady. That I've just never ever heard before. I it was re- I'm really glad I was there because it was a potentially historic evening. Historic. Okay, so I think that there's a reason that there was that feeling, and it's pretty obvious, which is that there are a lot of guys who, including the three guys you named, who are free agents: McCordy, yep, Brady, Matthew Slater, Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, Ted Karras, Landon Roberts, guys like that who who are 
part of contributing this year in a lot of different ways. So no and matter, this year and beyond. Yeah, I mean, some of you're right. Some of them have been here there for a decade. Um, some of them, you know, Matthew Slater and you know gives a lot of emotional speeches. Devin McCourty is Devin McCourty. Um, people thought McCourty was going to retire after the Super Bowl last year. There were some rumblings about that. So. Is this the end of something? Yeah, but I don't know. What, I don't think it's the end of the Patriots. I think that they will bring some of those guys back. And now it just comes to what does that retooling look like? What do they, what kind of, how do they want to spend their resources? Do they want to match someone for a Kyle Van Noy? Do they want to match someone when Jamie Collins gets a little bit more expensive? There's going to be change in some regard, and some of the core will be cycled out. That's why I think. There was a little bit. I mean, think about how many times the Patriots have turned over the roster over and over again. Their core has changed. Their core actually has has been uh, consistent for the past maybe half decade. That's changing this winter, and maybe that's why you hear some more um, contemplation in the press conferences last night. Absolutely, and I, and I think with all those guys, that that's a huge part of it. You know, when they lost to the Eagles a couple of years ago, everyone was coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, this was a team that their greatness was clear and it was inevitable. So there wasn't that kind of pondering of mortality that you saw last night. But I think with, you know, I think McCourty being a free agent is, it's not Brady, obviously, but it's just such a different dynamic than it has been when they've lost in the past or when Mm -hmm. they've been in this situation in the past. Like for Brady is Brady and we'll get to that in a second. But on the defensive side, Devin McCourty has been the face of that franchise for the last 10 years. Yep. And him, and not only the face, but the voice. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you saw him kind of going through those things in his mind last night, again, it's unlike anything I've seen from him and unlike anything I've seen from a Patriots defender in a long time. So that being said, I, I, part of me wishes you'd been at the game yesterday instead okay. of me. <laughs> okay. Because, because you you just have this, with when it comes to Brady and Belichick, uh-huh. The inertia of it all takes over for me sometimes where like I'm sitting there last night and even as I watch them both kind of go through whatever the kabuki dances of, you know, this, you know, we'll we'll figure out the future later, da, da, da. In my mind, I'm just like, they'll be back. Like they're going to run this back. It's just, it's so hard for me not to imagine. And even as I was sitting there watching the game, I was sitting there with Jenny Varentis and Peter King and. You know, when they got the ball back at 444, I was like, they're going to win. Like, it's just, they're going to do this. They're going to do it. And I think you have a really good sense of the grandiose nature of what Brady is. And when you watched that game last night and when you watched him walk off, what sort of sense did you get? Because for me, it was just like, eh, we're going to make a lot of this, but they're going to run it back one more time. Did, do you think that or no? So I think that there's a lot of smoke about Brady. And there was literally a fog over the field last night, which which helped a lot of writers do some imagery, by the way. Right. And so I think there's a lot of smoke. But I also think that with the Patriots, the default is them figuring it out. Right. And and that's sort of and that's why I think a lot of smart people have said a mixture of who knows what the future holds, but also the, the the main prediction seems to be one more year in New England. That would that would be my guess. Only and and, and look, if you there's put a lot money of re- on it, that's what you put there, money there's on. There's a right? lot of reasons for it, but one of those things is where's he gonna go? 
what makes sense? You know, we were just talking See, about this See, you and I think Slack. differently about this. Okay. We were just talking about this in Slack, actually. And it was funny to me because I was thinking about this and, and you know, okay, is he really want to go play for the Chargers in front of 40,000 people? Does he really want to go to a team that's, that isn't, doesn't have, a, you know, a ton of weapons or whatever? Does he really want to go to Indianapolis and, and, and do that whole thing, which is a, a good team that maybe lacks a quarterback in that regard? I don't think so. I mean, I, can you throw out a candidate that makes sense? It's going to give him a lot of money is going to give him the My weapons team. he needs. Your team, the Chicago Bears. It's just uh, so here's uh, that's a knee jerk reaction. Okay. And I think that if you think about the practical realities of it and the money and everything else, it's not super likely. But as I kind of sat and thought about it this morning, I, I was going through it. I wrote about this today, just kind of being there for what seems like the end and thinking about what the options might be if he doesn't play New England. And think about the quarterback decisions that have been made in the NFL over the last five years. Mm-hmm. And think about the terrible thought processes behind them. He's Tom fucking Brady. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how good Tom Brady is anymore, but he's not bad. He was an okay quarterback this year. And for a team that either lacks a capable quarterback, wants a stabilizing factor for a young team, and wants to sell tickets, or wants to just invigorate a fan base, whatever, it only takes one, man. And I absolutely think there will be one. I don't know if it's coming out obviously to us right now, but I 100% think if he leaves, there will be a team that sits there and says, the cost benefit of giving him $30 million is so, so worth it to us. Okay. He's going to be 43 years old next training camp. Yes. I, listen, I hear you on all let's of this. Go, let's go out. with this hypothetical situation. You're Ryan Pace and the Bears. You think you have a defense that can win a championship in the right situation. You it's, think not a, have, it's not about Ryan Pace. Oh, okay. Well, what is it about? It's about Virginia McCaskey. Okay. And it, 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 this, this, is a, this is an ownership choice. An ownership group will sit there and say, let's sign Tom Brady. This, this happens at the highest levels for the wrong reasons. This is not a practical decision. I think that's the, that's the way to look at it. it. It's not about team building and this is our point, their trajectory and all of that. It's somebody who signs the checks being like, oh, we can get Tom Brady? Fuck yeah. I don't think that this is going to happen. I think that this, I think he's going to return to the New England Patriots. But my question I is- I think so too. Okay. Because I think that Robert Kraft makes that choice. Right. I was going to say is that Robert Kraft is in the same boat as all of these owners who says we can go get Tom Brady. I mean, listen, I think there's a little bit of projection. I, I think that there's still, listen, Tom Brady is still a lot better than a lot of quarterbacks, but I don't think he's, he's Tom effing Brady, as you put it anymore, is that he is no longer so great that he can make anything happen with any cast of characters, right? And that's sort of what we saw. That was the failure of this game on Saturday night. Was, we'll talk about that, but that but yeah. this cast of characters was particularly bad. It was particularly so. bad, but they scored 14 points. He threw a pick six at the end. Like, I, listen, I think Tom Brady is still a really, really good, really good quarterback. I think Tom Brady still had the capability if there was a couple of breaks here and there to win the Super Bowl this calendar year, Right. It didn't happen. I think Tom Brady is a top 15 quarterback. That's where, that's where I am, too. That's where I am, too. And, and, that, I, and, I understand. and that, that is an attractive proposition 
in a league where a top 15 quarterback with the other factors in play can win you a fucking Super Bowl. Yeah, but I, I don't, uh, my, my problem here is that you do, the aging curve is, is so unprecedented. We have no idea what a 43-year-old quarterback with Tom Brady's um, in, incredible aging curve, we don't know how that ages. You know, like the whole thing about he can play till he's 46, whatever, is based on a lot of actually baseball stuff. Uh, the Tom House regimen and all that stuff that's been written about is, is sort of they know how the arm can hold up and how long that he can go. So there's but a- listen, th- man, we've seen this. It, it, like, think about- We've seen it with what? No quarterback has ever slowly declined at this age. That's what I'm it's talking always, about. It's always a cliff. And he hasn't reached the cliff yet. But so he's I think going to absolutely- one day. And, you, and one day you're going to be the team that gave him $30 million to, to, to win a Super Bowl. And, and I wouldn't do it. Okay. But I absolutely think someone will. I, yeah, but that's that someone might also, someone who is desperate to have Tom Brady on their team might also be Robert Kraft. I think that's the most reliable outcome. I yeah. absolutely do. But I, but I, it's, we do this way too often. We're like, how is this practical? Is this smart? Da, 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 da. And especially with that position, there have been way more frivolous decisions based on way less than signing Tom Brady before I, I he's understand done. that. But what I'm saying is it's not about the, the Spanos family going out and saying, here's $30 million or – Stephen Ross, I know someone, someone like that who 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 needs to fix something, right? It's not the, about the Chargers them offering to me are the money. team. By the way, we'll talk about that in a second. I, I I I think that Tom Brady, if he looks at if he looks at the freaking Charger situation, and there is, I I would say from an off the field standpoint, there is no grimmer situation than, than Los Angeles chargers playing in a half filled stadium in a city that, that people just don't even know you're here. Like it is the what they sold 25,000 season tickets, something like that so far in the new stadium. Like I does, does Tom Brady really want to end his career there? That's all. I'm, I'm not saying it's not, I it's think not, a, it's not, that a, is, I think the answer to that is no. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's not a question of someone giving him a godfather offer. I think there will be owners who are doing that. It's a question of whether or not Tom Brady is going to look at these offers and say, this is something I'd like to do. I'd rather just run it back with New England with the greatest coach of all time, with a infrastructure I'm familiar with and all that stuff. I think that that makes more sense to me than a let's go get an extra $15 million and play in the grimmest situation on earth. Kevin, I, 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 I think you're thinking about this the wrong way. I think you're viewing this as he gets to make this decision. And I don't know if that's true. You think that the Patriots would move on from him with no, or, or would, would go out and get another quarterback to replace him in free agency in two months. I think if you're up to bill Belichick, then yes. Right. But it's never, we, we know over the last five, six years, it's not everything has been up to Bill Belichick as far as that goes. I, 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 and I, I again, we, talk, we said this five times over this conversation. He absolutely could be back. Kraft could sit there and say, like, absolutely not. Like, Tom Brady is the quarterback as long as he wants to be. And that is a conversation that I'm sure will happen between Kraft and Belichick over the next couple months. But in the chance that Belichick is the leading voice in the room, I don't find it shocking at all that Belichick would say, I want to build a different way. Let's try something else. Would you? 
I'm in agreement with you in in the macro sense, but I think that I think it's it's totally possible that he could draft someone or bring someone in, draft someone in the second round and start the process of building. What I would be surprised by is if they tell Tom they they pull basically what teams do all the time with their old veterans, like what the Packers do with Clay Matthews, which is, hey, we're moving on. And that, I would be surprised if they said, hey, we're moving on to Tom Brady and then replaced him with another veteran. Andy Dalton. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. I understand. I understand that. I'd be very surprised if they did that specific thing. I would not be surprised if they went out and drafted a quarterback. And, you know, they're picking one. Well, Jalen Hurts. Right they're picking 23rd right now in the draft. They, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they took a flyer or maybe traded up 10 picks, even though Belichick doesn't love to do that. I wouldn't be surprised if they start the process of replacing Tom Brady. If they still had Jimmy Garoppolo, this is a completely different timeline. If they still had Jacoby Brissett, it's possible this is a different Isn't timeline. Isn't the Garoppolo thing so fascinating right now? It is. It, it is it, a, it, a top it, 10 it, what if. It, it's the, the sliding doors ripple effect elements of all of that are so... I, I, just, I was thinking about it a lot last night. I was driving back from the game and I was listening to Seth Wickersham talk to Bill and Rosillo. And it, it was never feasible just because, you know, we've talked about this before so many times about how the hierarchy of the Patriots locker room is a sacred thing. No mm-hmm. one's making more than Brady. There's no way yep. to financially retain Garoppolo in any way that made sense. But now it's it's one of those things where like, God, I wonder what they would have done if Bill had all the, all the say. And if it were up to him to build the entire roster and it, I don't know, man, I, 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 again, I tend to agree with you because I think that that the alternatives aren't attractive. You know, it's, I, I ascribe this, this ego to Belichick, but it's, it it often comes from the jokes, you know, like when Mm -hmm. he got to do what he did with Garoppolo and, and Brissett. I, I do think there's a part of Bill Belichick that enjoyed that. But I also, you know, maybe I'm overstating it. Maybe it's like, ha ha, like if Belichick had to play Wes Welker at quarterback, he'd be so much happier. I don't know how real that really is, but I do understand. I, I also think that if Belichick had Lamar Jackson right now, mm-hmm. I think he'd enjoy it. And I think that sure. he would relish the opportunity to try something like that. But I don't know how much he would relish the opportunity to try something like that when that, like you just, like you just said, that chance wasn't in hand and he had the alternative sitting right in front of him. The fact that sure. he doesn't, I, that, I think that's why the Brady return, if I had to put money on it, makes the most sense to me. I think in the absence of someone like Tom Brady, he would like to have someone where there's there's you know you're coming up with a different game plan for i think that you know when when tim tebow was coming out of college he would always talk about bill belichick would always talk about you know the legacy of the single wing and all of the running stuff and the running and passing and the jump pass he would would love that shit right but i think that but he had tim tebow and he cut him because tim tebow is not nearly as good as tom brady Brady. and i think belichick is smart and part of being smart is hey it would be really kind of a fun little project to come up with a running quarterback offense but you know what i'd rather do i'd rather go to the super bowl every year and i think that that's <laughs> that kind of trumps all right agree and uh by the way i do want to my favorite butterfly effect of the entire it's really concentrated in the nfc right now but do you know are you aware of who sacked drew Brees that tore his labrum and got him on the saints no current gm of the san francisco 49ers 
Also, that's, Hall of Fame that's finalists. A sliding, that's the sliding doors for everything, is the current GM of the 49ers sacking Drew Brees, which then sent Nick Saban back to college. It's just, that. that's that's it right there. That's the inflection point for everything. Anyway, uh, can we talk about the game real quick? We absolutely can. I I, I wrote about this today a little bit, and uh, outside of just kind of the auspice of is this the end, which I think was you know the biggest thing to take away from it, but it really did feel like in so many ways the Titans out-Patriots the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Is that the sense that you got while watching it? No, I mean, I think it was a disjointed game. I mean, I think that I saw the stat that Patriots had 71 pass yards, which is the fewest by any team in a playoff win since the time the Ravens beat the Patriots in 2009, which was the last time the Patriots didn't get the bye, which is a very funny situation. So the Patriots defense did their job um, in, in a way. Obviously, they didn't they didn't have any you know crazy pick sixes or anything that could have won the the Titans the game. Excuse me, won the Patriots the game. Uh, they didn't do a good enough job stopping Derrick Henry, but I don't think really anybody can do a great job stop, stopping Derrick Henry right now. This to me comes down to it was a personnel problem. It was Tom Brady not having enough weapons. It was the Titans having a nice game plan. It was Mike Vrabel turning into Doctor Strange and and draining a minute off the clock and creating a, a time a time loophole. It was it was so amazing that he like he he Belichicked Belichick in he like the most important Belichick. moment. I mean, this was I, I I kind of feel having watched it, I thought the Patriots were going to lose next week. Having watched it. It is a game where I regret not seeing this coming because it's everything the way it played out seemed so obvious as it was happening. So it's the reason I say that the the, the Titans out Patriots the Patriots is that you and I have watched so many Patriots games together. You know, I Mm -hmm. I remember sitting there and watching the, the the Falcon Super Bowl with you. Yeah, and it just. There's so many moments, literally, where we've been sitting next to each other, where them finding a way feels inevitable. Yeah, and and that's what it felt like last night to a certain degree. You know, it's when they got the ball back with 444. I, I looked at Jenny Ferentis and I was just like, "They're winning this game, 17-16. It's over, mm-hmm. like or 16-14. Like they're doing this, but just because we've seen that movie so many times, and." They didn't have it. And I think the personnel thing is a really good point to make. You know, I uh, watching <laughs> McDaniels just dig into the bag of tricks last night was amazing. You know, they're doing so many like jet sweeps and wide receiver handoffs. They're running like split back throws to Rex Burkhead. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're like McDaniels is fucking Bill Walsh in like 1986. It was just, they were doing so many things to be like, all right, we're going to manufacture this win. But we've watched them manufacture so many wins. And that's why I just expected it to happen, even when they don't have the juice. Devin McCourty yesterday, I asked him, I said, you guys have done this so many times. Mm -hmm. When you don't do it, uh, like, are you surprised? Like, is, Mm -hmm. is it a weird thing to kind of process on your end when it doesn't happen? And he said that in a way, yes, but it's also one of those things where we we view the game as this collection of moments and you need to win the moments. And they have so many times and they didn't last night. And watching them not do that and watching the Titans 
be able to manufacture those moments in the way the Patriots did, it, it was a little bit disorienting, often surprising. And in the end, just something that it was difficult to comprehend until the game was actually over. If you've never seen The Departed, skip ahead 15 seconds. Didn't this feel <laughs> a little bit... Departed spoilers coming. Didn't this... I don't know why you would have not seen it, but regardless, maybe skip ahead another 15 seconds because we've been talking about it. Um, this is preceding our 20-minute Dunkirk conversation. No, no. So doesn't this kind of feel like just DiCaprio just getting just getting shot in the elevator with no warning and no drama. It's just like we, we were so or if you saw uncut gems recently, it's the same kind I, of deal. Oh, now you can't spoil that. No one. I didn't, spoil, I didn't say that. what happened. Oh my God. All right. So, uh, the, let's start. Let's focus on the 14 year old movie for a second. <laughs> DiCaprio gets off the elevator, right? And we were so, focused on how are they going to defend Kansas City and Mahomes? How are they going to play Lamar a second time? I remember yeah. when I was there, um, when I was talking to people around there a couple weeks ago, everyone was like, man, can't wait to see Belichick, you know, second second uh, time through the order, so to speak, against those two quarterbacks and, and see how that goes. And I, we don't get to see that now. And from a football kind of dork perspective, I hate it. But from a, I enjoy... Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry uh, inexplicably creating one of the hottest offenses in football um, or one of the hottest teams in football, rather, because they had 71 passing yards yesterday. Um, I, I, I am excited about this Titans run. It, it was so funny to kind of watch it because, you know, again, we've discussed this so, so many times, and I don't want to re-legislate the running back value conversation, but... Watching Derrick Henry last night was kind of a reminder of what the playoffs are in the sense that they're individual games that don't often have anything to do with the league at large and trends and what matters. It's like, mm -hmm. what do we need to do to win today? And watching Derrick Henry run the ball 35 times and grind that game out spoke to his value and spoke to like what a running back that is built like that can be at this point in the calendar. Would I give Derrick Henry a contract extension? Absolutely not. But in that moment, well, I'd give him an extension. Oh, I sure. But I wouldn't give him the time. Extension. Extension. I, would, I wouldn't give him $70 million, uh, but absolutely. I was sitting there last night. We were waiting for the elevator uh -huh. and I was standing next to Chris Johnson. And I was, I was, he was there with the Titans ownership group. And I looked at him and I was like, you probably love this tonight. And he goes, they ran the ball, man. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I know. But I'm, you, you probably love this. And so we started talking and I was like, and I started, I was talking to him about the things I'd rather do instead of tackling Derrick Henry. And it, it's just a reminder. Like it, I, I think that you've always been fascinated by this, the way the Patriots compartmentalize the playoffs and what these games are to them. It's not about league-wide trends or these big sweeping movements it's about for th for four quarters and three hours what do we have to do to win the game and i think derrick henry in certain situations gives you an, an advantage to doing that because no one wants to tackle him when it's 35 degrees and it's spitting rain and it's just it's an unpleasant place to be there's a, a lot of guys right now who are just, and I would put actually 
Lamar Jackson in this as well. But anecdotally, the NFL is getting just worse at tackling. And I, I have, I, there's not a ton of data about that, but it's just, you know, but talking to players, all that stuff, talking to coaches and the existence of guys like George Kittle and the existence of guys like Derrick Henry, they are exploiting this over and over and over again and just running people over or running past people or running out of their grips. And it is, uh, it, it is a very fun thing to see. It is aesthetically pleasing to see guys like that own defenders over and over again. I think that, I think that defenders are more apprehensive now than they would have been yeah. 20 years ago because Without of a the doubt. rules. Without a doubt. And I think that's, I think that's part of what it is. And with, with the Ravens, it's part of like the, the structure of the offense. I think, you know, I, I was there last week talking to a lot of guys on that offense and surprisingly, most of the offensive linemen and, and just talking about kind of playing in that offense and just how mm-hmm. flat footed you see guys. But I also think that, you know, the, the Hall of Fame finalists came out this week. Steve Atwater couldn't play football right now. Mm-hmm. just because of the way the league is constructed. And I think that that has created a world where defenders aren't moving as fast and without reckless abandon. And I think it's given an opportunity for guys who want to be tone setters offensively, whether it's Lamar Jackson, George Kittle, Derrick Henry, all of those guys. Mm-hmm. All right, quickly, uh, first impressions on Titans at Ravens? Come old school I, I, football. I, 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 I think the Ravens are the best team. I do too. I just I I I I think that game is fun. I part of me is upset we're not getting Patriots Ravens because yeah. well that would I, they would they would be next week it'll be two weeks from now anyway. Yeah, but, yeah. but I just I, I I love when a team like if if the Bulls hadn't had to beat the Pistons on their way to the first title, it would have felt cheaper. If that makes sense, I love when a team has to knock off the king to get where they're going. And I, I would have loved if the Patriots had to, if the Ravens had to beat the Patriots to win a title. But at the same time, I love watching this Titans team. I think that it was a disgusting night last night. I, I think the Titans offense will look better against teams that aren't the Patriots and in conditions that aren't what was going on last night in Foxborough. But I don't know. I, it's going to be a fun game. I, I think the Ravens win because they're the best team, but I like watching this Titans team and I'll be excited to watch them again. Yeah, I think it's like 27 to 17 kind of thing. I think so too. I, I And it's it was so funny to kind of... The Patriots last night, and I think that you know people watch that game and they'll, they'll say, God, Derrick Henry just destroyed them. And... He did. You know, he had two hundred five total yards. The Titans scored fourteen points. Like the, the Titans, as, excuse me, the Patriots, as they did against the Rams last year, and as they've done against other teams that are play action heavy, they slow play those actions. They just sit there and say, "We're going to dare you to run the ball down our throats and have that be how you beat us." And it's really hard to win a football game in two thousand nineteen like that. It just is. Even as Derrick Henry piles up 205 total yards, they still got by by the skin of their teeth. So I don't. We'll, we'll see if the Ravens have a similar game plan. You know, Baltimore has a structure like New England, where if they want to play man behind stuff and 
just have some flexibility in their front seven. They absolutely can. So I, I, th- I think the Ravens do win because on both sides of the ball, they're better. But it's a game I'm looking forward to. It's not as if, you know, the Titans are a team like, eh, you know, the Titans won. They're, they're going to get blown out. I have no interest in watching them. This is a team I'm glad they made the playoffs. And it's still a game I'm interested in watching. Playoffs are good. The NFL playoffs are good. Do you have enough life insurance? It's this thing we all know we need, but keep putting off because it sounds like a pain to deal with. Ladder has made getting life insurance easy. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions online to get a personalized quote. If you qualify, they'll cover you with a click of a button. No salesperson, no paperwork, no waiting period. Just the feeling of doing something right for you and your family. One of their customers even got a policy in the security line at the airport. Think about the stupid stuff you do there. You can actually be productive. Ladder has great prices and rave reviews. $1 million policies start at just $27 a month. Ladder will help you figure out exactly the coverage you need and even let you adjust it over time so you never end up paying more than you should. Take care of your home team. Visit ladderlife.com slash NFL. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash NFL. Ladder life term policies are issued by Fidelity Security Life Insurance Company, Kansas City, Missouri. Not available in New York. Today's episode of the NFL show is brought to you by State Farm. When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help. With personalized service, agents are available to talk in person, over text, or through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. As we get to the rest of these games, you know, you and I have discussed this a lot on the show in the sense that it's really difficult to win a Super Bowl when you're not one of the top teams, when you don't have buys, when you don't have home field advantage, we have to play three games. But the Titans include this really did seem like the weekend of the underdog in the playoffs like we haven't seen in a long time. And that started with the Minnesota Vikings today in New Orleans. It, that is undeniably the most surprising outcome of the weekend to me. When you're thinking about that game, what are your takeaways? So we talked last week. We went around on it. You thought the Saints were the best team in the NFC. I disagreed. Having said that, I did not think they were going to lose to the Minnesota Vikings. I didn't, this was, I didn't think so either. Well, right. This was an incredible game. And I'm not really sure what to think of it, if that makes sense. Like, I, my, my idea of how good Taysom Hill can be has been completely turned on its head, which I did not expect to be happening. My idea of what Drew Brees is right now has been turned on its head. Um, there were things that just contradicted themselves within the game. I mean, I'll give you an example. I thought that some of the fourth quarter play calling from the Vikings was just abysmal and they were, they were playing scared and I was ready to just, uh, get my pitchforks out for the Vikings. And then of course they have some overtime plays that lead to that Kirk cousins dime that ultimately wins them the game. So I think that the Vikings played as good a game as they could. We probably, it's almost like the Titans thing. We probably should have seen this coming, that it would be closer just in the sense that Mike Zimmer is a really good defensive coach with a lot of defensive talent. I mean, listen, did, did we both pick the Vikings to make the Super Bowl last year? I did. Doesn't matter. I don't think I did. Okay, it doesn't matter. But 
I, I've one of the things. Oh, I picked that, the I picked the Rams to make the Super Bowl last year. I picked ah, the Patriots okay. Rams nice Super Bowl last year. Oh, congratulations! Thanks. Buddy. I picked them to make the Super Bowl the Vikings last year, and this is something that keep we keep coming around to, where I feel like we're always a year too early on the hype. I feel like we're always, and maybe that's a lesson of the Browns thing. But unfortunately, we'll never find out because the Browns have eaten the chess pieces, as we like to say here. But I, I think that this this team still had a lot of talent. I think Kirk Cousins is a much better quarterback than the memes have made him out to be. And I think that this I, is I a am pro disapp- Kirk Cousins podcast, by the way, this is, this is. And so I think that generally I'm disappointed for not seeing a closer game coming. I will say that the, uh, the fact that the NFL had an opportunity to have the makeup call of all makeup calls and call OPI on Kyle Rudolph at the end there. That was fascinating. I'm actually surprised they didn't do it. Just to like write the karmic like calculus. Isn't that how this ends? Sean Payton spends a year getting the spends a spring getting the rules changed and then everybody hates the rules. The rules just create these weird log jams that everyone just is like what the hell is this? And then at the end of everything it comes down to a pass interference call in the end zone against a team that two years ago propelled, had a miracle that propelled Sean Payton out of the playoffs and the Vikings the next round in Minnesota. And they're playing two years later in the same venue that the Rams uh, got away with one last year. And there's a controversial PI call that is challengeable and the refs do not throw the flag upon review. And the, and then Al Riveron says there it was, there was contact, but it didn't rise rise to be a foul. Like that's that is there's something strangely poetic about all of this. You saying that you thought the game would be closer. It, it's I was on with I I did Minnesota radio with my friend mm-hmm. Matt Collar on on the score uh, north uh, on I think it was Thursday, and I'm just like I was like pacing in Fells Point in Baltimore while uh, it, just walking around outside and. He was, you know, I think that when you get to a certain point with a coaching staff, with a roster that has been stagnant for a little while, there's a restlessness among Mm -hmm. people who cover the team, among people who root for the team, all that stuff. And and I think that one of the questions was like, can this Vikings team beat the Saints? And it was like, yes, like, like, absolutely they can. Like, I think the Saints are awesome. And I still do. But I also think that the Vikings and their peaks this year have been in line with anything any other team has done. You know, I, I the reason that I believed in the Saints and the reason I said that I thought they were the best team in the NFC, which I don't necessarily think is wrong. I, I kind of still do, is the individual talent they have. But the Vikings have similarly impressive talent. And that's that was what I that was so interesting today was watching those players on the Vikings tap into them, their greatness and mm-hmm. shine in individual moments. You know, Daniil Hunter had big plays. You know, Anthony Harris, the safety had an amazing season and he had that big pick on a throw where I, I honestly, I'm going to talk to like some quarterback people tomorrow as I like kind of sit back and think about what I'm writing about what breeze saw in that moment. I have no idea what he was thinking, throwing that ball. Because it just seemed like with the way that they were rotating, it was absolutely single high. And he still threw it anyway to the middle of the field. Like, I just, I, I'm so curious what that was. And I'm sure that 
there's an answer as to why it happened. Anyway, Anthony Harris had an amazing year. Eric Hendricks made plays today. Daniel Hunter made plays against Ryan Ramchek today. You know, outside, inside. Uh, Everson Griffin, who had an excellent season, they use inside on certain matchups to gain stuff. And the best player on the field for the Minnesota Vikings today was a guy that we've watched be amazing for years. It was Adam Thielen. Yep. I mean, healthy, back. He just snapping guys off at the top of routes, getting open against Marshawn Lattimore consistently. This is a team with a ton of talent that didn't necessarily underachieve with that talent this year. That they, they were a good team. They were dangerous. The only reason I didn't think they were going to win in, on Wild Card Weekend is because I thought the Saints were an elite championship caliber team. So watching what the Vikings did today and seeing them win this game, they 100% could go to San Francisco next week and win. They absolutely could. I'm not sure about that. I, I, uh, I think I they know, could. Man. They could in the sense that. I don't know if they will, but I, like I, this is what this is kind of what I want to talk about. I think what happened today, and we discussed this a little bit last week when we were talking about seedings and everything else. I think this year has a better chance to produce a wild card dark horse than in years past because a lot of the times there was a clear divide between the teams that had to buy and the teams that had to play in the wild card round. And I don't know if that divide is as stark this mm-hmm. season, especially in the NFC. All right, let's play, let's play a bit of a game here. Vikings at 49ers, Seahawks at Packers, Titans at Ravens, Texans at Chiefs. Who has... It's the NFC teams. It's, the only, it's only the NFC teams. Okay, so you don't think it's the year of the wild card in the AFC? You don't think the I, Titans abso- are going to... Ab- ab- absolutely not. Because I do think that the, the difference between those teams is, is stark in the AFC. I, I think the Ravens are definitively better than the Titans, and I think the Chiefs are definitively better than the Texans. I tend to agree with that. I think that... Um, I also think the Titans were just engineered to beat the Patriots. I kind of feel... I've got, I was working on this last night. I just never tweeted it out. I had Stephen Ross in sort of an inside man bit where he's just he's been living in a bank for a year and he placed Ryan he placed Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee and then he got Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami and they were they were just engineering it towards this because the Miami Dolphins deserve a banner for the Tannehill and Fitzpatrick uh, alley oop that got the Patriots out of the playoffs. So when you when you tweet, how long do you workshop those? Like ninety seconds. That, that's impressive to me. Because they, they they seem like very well formulated. They usually bits. just come to me, and there's usually a reason I'm doing it. So like I had one like the the I had a Belichick Antonio Brown tweet. I know it's didn't you, 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 know, you, you, yeah. you should keep that in no, the sheath, my man. No, no, no. It was when it, when he signed it, and it got like ten thousand retweets. And I was like, someone I re, a writer I oh, really that really, one. really yes, respect. Yes, 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 yes. A writer I really 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 respect um, from the New Yorker. Just follow me. And I was like, man, he did, I follow me. I, I got to be really good. Was it good. David Graham? It was. And I got I to be really good. And so then I was like, I'm just going to come up with a fire tweet. And then I tweeted that. And then that's how it happened. Otherwise, I wouldn't have tweeted anything. It's all, usually, David Graham also follows me. It's, it's the, it, is, it is the second most puzzling follow I have. Who's number one? David Simon. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I asked him for Baltimore re- restaurant recommendations last week. It's one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do in my entire life. Uh, that's amazing. That's yeah. Really cool. It, it's, it's, it's so random. It's just like, <laughs> all right, 
Uh, let's get to uh, the second team that uh, wildcard team that may have a chance, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. It, you know, it, it's one of those games where you watch the Eagles over the last few weeks. You know, we we've discussed this. It, they're a team that we believe in organizationally, structurally, all that stuff. But is anything surprising that they lost the wildcard game seventeen to nine tonight? It, it just seems like that was the end all no. be all for this team. It's just like this was their fate. I think the way they lost it was really interesting in the sense that in the sense that there's for me I to get that close to the goal line a handful of times to be within punching distance or touching distance and and not get there to have Josh McCown playing quarterback. I mean some of the details of this game were strange to me and unexpected. But I, if you told me the sure. 17-9 final score before the game, I would have said, that sounds about right. I also, I mean, shout out to DK Metcalf. That was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's just, the Josh McCown thing is obviously a huge part of it, but it's, it's it just feels like that's where this Eagles season went. You know, it's just like, next guy up, this is how it's going to go. It, 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 I don't know. It, I, I The fact that the Seahawks needed a backup quarterback to get by the fact that their running backs averaged 1.1 and 1.2 yards per carry <laughs> today. <laughs> and Russell Wilson had 45 of their 64 rushing yards. I don't know if the Seahawks are good, but I also don't know if the Packers are good. So Seattle going on the road and playing that team, it just, I absolutely think they can win next week. Uh, I agree with that only because, I mean, we've seen so many Pete Carroll unbeknownst to you is a really good coach. And we've seen so I'm not taking many, this laying down. No, absolutely seen, not. All right. So we've seen you hate him. And so you've seen, a, we've seen so <laughs> many you. weird Seahawks games where, you know, I, I the example I give is when they go into Carolina five years ago and they just get completely waxed in the first half and then they get essentially within touching distance of tying the game up. I think they almost came back from 31 down. It was that kind of thing. And we've seen, I, I know I joke about this, but they don't play normal games. And I think that part of that is playing up to a good level of competition and playing down to a, a poor level of competition. So I think that they have the capability with Russell Wilson, with, you know, deep passing God, DK Metcalf, with that defense, which still has a lot of talent on it. I, I, I think and, that there's... And talent in the right places. Yeah, and Jevin Clowney, uh, Clowney was really up for tonight. Yes, it's... Uh, yeah, I'm with you. You know what I haven't heard lately is the Texans fans who were chirping at me that uh, the Texans are better without Jadevian Clowney, which was happening as recently as last month. We'll, we'll get to the Texans game in a sec. So... I I wrote about this today when I uh, I wrote about the the Patriots in the sense that New England views playoff games as a series of moments. I may have said this earlier in the show. It seems like six hours ago. And they the Patriots pride themselves on being able to win enough of the moments. And it feels like we're in that place with the Seahawks where if they beat the Packers, which again, I 100% think they can then they set themselves up for a rematch with the Niners in the NFC Championship game. And we just saw that movie without Clowney, and they almost won. They, they were six inches from winning that game. 
it, I don't know how good the Seahawks are, but it doesn't matter anymore. In the same way that when the Patriots have won Super Bowls in the past, it's one. I don't know how good the Patriots are. Who cares? It is it is so within reach right now because you can build the avenue and you can figure out the moments that get them there. And that's where I am with Seattle. I just one win over a Packers team, and I will be at that game on next Sunday next Sunday. One win over that team opens up a world of possibilities, and we've seen what they can do against San Francisco. If you get to the Super Bowl, who the hell knows? Anything is on the table. I still think that San Francisco is the best team in the NFC. And, and that will, that was only emboldened today. Um, when you see a team like the saints, we had that argument last week. I am, I'm not sold at all on green Bay right now. If you had to guess who's going to win the Seattle green Bay game, what would you guess? Green Bay. I think it's ugly because I, I think, think it's going to, I, I think green Bay's defense is playing really well right now. I don't I think, think I think Darius Smith is one of the 10 best players in football in this moment. I think it's a it's a 13-10 ugly game that could go either way. Here's what's happening. It's 20 to 14. There's 47 seconds left. And Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson does something inexplicable. No, he has the ball on the 19-yard line. They're in a weird heavy formation. No one can figure it out. And then something happens. I don't know what happens, but something happens right after that. It is that kind of game where some for some reason the Seahawks are still in it they're driving to win they're they're too close for comfort and then something massive happens whether that's a DK Metcalf touchdown a pick a strip sack something happens my guess is the Seahawks win that game very close i think i think the packers win that game they're at home and i also feel like for all the Aaron Rodgers existential dread that's kind of come in the last month or so like it, you know, what's happening with Aaron Rodgers? Is this it? Da, 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 da. The Packers can line up and just beat the shit out of you if they want to. They're off. Is there any is quarterback? Great. Is there any? Is it just Lamar Jackson is the only quarterback where there's not existential dread everywhere? I think that with Rodgers, there's kind of a, you know, is, is this it? Is he done? Is he Aaron Rodgers anymore? Da, 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 da. And like that, that Lions game was a weird game. They're just taking shots down the field. And we can have an extended Aaron Rodgers conversation later you know, when the Packers are more relevant to our conversation. But I still feel like if you watch that Giants game, for example, and you watch the throws, he's, or excuse me, the Vikings game, the Vikings game where you know they're, they're, their passing game wasn't great. But you're, if you're watching the throws in the middle of the field that he's just ripping, the slants, everything else, it's just... I still think that team is built to win right now because if we're talking about the playoffs is a series of moments, mm-hmm. their, their defense is playing great. They, the, the Zedaria Smith is dominant player right now. They have talent on that side of the ball. They have a talent, like a deep flexible secondary. And it's a matter of four or five throws. And I still think he's capable of making those four or five throws. He, his, his arm is still there. And the Rodgers kind of discourse is something I want to legislate eventually on this show, but I don't want to do it now. And we, we talked about it a little bit last when we were talking about McCarthy and how I think it's difficult to coach Rodgers right now because he wants to exist outside of whatever the structure of the offense is and kind of be Aaron Rodgers. And that's a detriment to your offense on a play-to-play mm-hmm. basis. But if you're trying to win a championship I do think it's a way to do it 
because he's going to make a couple throws that make you sit there and say, what just happened? And that's what the playoffs mm-hmm. are. And I still think that's on the table for them. So I will say this. Aaron Rodgers has dead cap of $39 million next year, 31 in 20. Aaron Rodgers will be the Packers quarterback 59, next 59 season. this year. You know what is... No, that's what I'm saying. But, but I'm saying that the, is this the end situation or existential dread is completely different than the conversation in New England or some of these other places. Do you know it's what more dead about like is Aaron Rodgers an elite quarterback anymore? That that's what but I'm no, saying. I just, just like, want to say this out loud. I just want to say this out loud. Do you know what his dead cap? Do you know what his dead cap was in 2018? It was 80 million dollars. That they gave him. Good, and they, it's one of those good thing they didn't where, cut him. It's it's one of those things where I I don't understand how the Packers money works because they don't have an owner. So their their yeah. financial kind of realities are a little bit murkier than they are with other teams. If you look at Aaron Rodgers' contract structure and the money they gave him in year 1, 66 million, 66.9 million in cash, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 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 that's the yearly cash in 2018. It's it's like, I don't know how the Packers make their money, but they make a lot of it. <laughs> it's it's really, really bizarre. Yeah. All right. Okay, next. Let's get to, which I assume in your opinion is the greatest game in the history of the National My Football League. God. I, so I, I'm going to go back and watch it in full. And when I say in full, the truncated version tomorrow morning, because I couldn't watch it because I was driving to Foxborough. Mm-hmm. But what I saw, I saw a lot of the first half and I saw the fourth quarter. And I just don't know anything about how good the Texans are. No. I don't I I don't think they're very good. Is okay. if, if that is that okay? Is yeah, that right? Sure. It, it that is that appears to be correct. So uh the ringer's Danny Heifetz, who does a great job, has a very nice list. By the way, the shout ringer. out to Heifetz. He's been killing it over the last couple of months. I just looked like, at our website. It's it, he's got like seven things up right now. I to to, to be twenty how old is Heifetz? Twenty five? Something like that, yeah. To be to be twenty five years old and have that sort of juice, I'm very envious of him. All right, so I I, 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 I I almost fell asleep yesterday at the wheel driving back from Foxborough at 2 a.m. Heifetz has a blog up ranking the top, I believe, 11 craziest things to happen to Josh Allen in this game. And it's a good primer because... What, it, what's number one? Uh, I believe it is. I actually know what it is. It's he ran 20 yards is the title. He ran 20 yards and then tossed the ball laterally to nobody. Oh, that okay. So that should be so number one. There was also no, that was a, it was Allen, a lateral to someone. Allen takes a 19-yard loss on fourth and 27, and Allen is called for intentional grounding, taking the Bills out of field goal range. Are some of the highlights? There were there were some more. The jump in there. ball to the fullback is has to be into in the double top coverage. Five. Into double coverage. Yes. Into double has coverage. Has to be in the top five. That was not intercepted, which is an indictment. No, of, it was not indictment of everybody. Everybody came away <laughs> from that play looking awful. Here's what I'll say about the Houston Texans. Bill O'Brien got more power this year. He's now the coach and the general manager. The person who should have that power is Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson did not play an elite game yesterday. But what I'll say is that Deshaun Watson did what great quarterbacks do, which he he saved everyone's butts. He saved Bill O'Brien's butt. He saved Bill O'Brien, the GM's butt. This is not a team that should win a playoff game. And they almost didn't win a playoff game. And they almost lost to Josh Allen. And if Deshaun Watson hadn't, you know, there were a lot of people um, who who pointed out that if, what that Deshaun Watson 
almost sack looked like versus the fact that he turned that into a a dime that won them the game and got them down into the five yard line and then and led to the end of the game, right? That was an amazing play. And he's an amazing player. And his ability to rise above his circumstance will not stop being impressive. That that was an awesome performance from him. And I I I worry when I see these sort of things. Listen, Will Fuller, we're we're getting into Lane Johnson territory with Will Fuller. It's where amazing how they much are he changes the offense. Completely different amazing. team when he's out there, but right now he's having injury problems, and so I don't know what that team looks like. But I know that Deshaun Watson's and DeAndre Hopkins' ability to rise above their circumstance is very, very impressive. I wrote about the Texans a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and the the thought was, you know, what is the, what are the Texans? Where do they go from here? What is this the state like the status of the franchise? when you think about that Bill O'Brien power structure. And I think you could frame it as pessimistic. And because I, I, I feel like that's been the tone around them as we've discussed them this season. Deshaun Watson is incredible. He can lift you. He can carry you. He, it, he is a, a rising tide when it comes to that franchise. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what else they are. And Laramie Tunsil has been good for them. It's undeniable. You know, Gary and Conley made a big play, but you traded the Clowney pick to get Conley, traded two first rounders and a second rounder to get Laramie Tunsil. You have a structure right now with decision making that is all about this moment. Mm -hmm. How can we put the best team on the field right now? And I don't know how good that team is. They they, they 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 are not as good as the Ravens or the Chiefs. They went in. On this year, and yes. that, and they still have a lot of people to pay, and this team is nowhere near where it needs to be. And we're about to find that out when they go into Baltimore and they play a, a true complete team with really talented offensive coaches, really talented defensive coaches, and we see and and more talent, by the way. So I'm the Texans are are very 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 lucky to have gotten out of that game against Buffalo, and they will not be as lucky this weekend, and then there will probably be more questions and answers about the Houston Texans um, on Monday. But what I will say is that I think that all of the reporting out of Houston is that Bill O'Brien's just going to keep this, this power and they're going to keep the status quo for at least another year. How so could he not? I, yeah. I mean, they're, they're in on him. I, I, do, I will it. say, Hey, I could have used a few more JJ Watt reaction shots in that game. Even as someone who didn't watch every moment of that game, because I was en route, I, I it was too much even for me. His one sack was amazing, but it's well, what was strange was you were just driving, you didn't have access to a television, and they uh, they inserted into the windshield a picture of JJ Watt. Just someone, one of the network executives, just came up and just put a photo of JJ Watt just on your windshield. Um, I uh, how did they get him? How did he? How do you agree to get mic'd up? I, I don't know. Uh, they, they, probably, they, they, probably had to, they probably had to twist his bad arm. What a uh, were you, you, uh, To be fair, to be fair, he he played a, it's incredible that he was able to to come back and and, and he's also an incredible play player. And back. I love and JJ Watt, player. but like, I, yes, I, we this is a we like JJ Watt here. This is a pro JJ Watt podcast. You've written many many words and talked to JJ Watt a bunch. We like him as a person. He's one of the greatest um, players in the history of professional football. I love yes. JJ Watt, but like, yes, like I, 20, I I completely understand what you're saying. Twenty percent less. Let's go from J.J. Watt on the next broadcast. Were you, when you went to Baltimore last week, were you mm-hmm. at the facility at all before you went to the game? 
uh, yeah. Uh, so I so I was there this week. I want to talk about this very briefly because it, it won't really be relevant by the time we, I guess we could talk about it on Thursday, but um, I had never been around Lamar Jackson before. Mm-hmm. And I was there for his press conference on Friday, the one where he said his Heisman is in a box somewhere. Yep. And I'm I'm so unbelievably charmed by Lamar Jackson. <laughs> like it's yeah, just he's amazing. It, it's it, outside of watching him this year, I've never been in, in like standing in a room with him before. Mm-hmm. And so they people like so it was the day that the all pro team came out. And I was, I know Marshall Yonda and I know, I know Ronnie Stanley. And so I was talking to both of them about like, you know, congrats, like da, 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 da. I was talking to Yonda. I was like, uh, you know, I, you were on my first team. Like, he's like, I'll take the second one. Don't worry. Like, it's like I'm not really worried about it. But so uh, Jackson was sitting there and, and people were talking to him about stuff and like, yeah, you know, you were this and you were that. And every single time he answered a question about like an award, his first response was just like, yeah, that's dope. And, uh, it's I don't really care about it and just like the level of like appreciation and humility and just like kind of how happy he is to be here while also just being singularly focused it just again it's you you, these NFL seasons are defined by people and he defined this one and I'd never really spent time around him before and doing it for the first time I was just like yeah man this is fun like I'm glad this is one of the dudes who is dictating what this league is going to be for the next decade? Mm-hmm. I'm That's all with you there. Yeah, it just it, it was a fun moment. I, I I assume you had done it before, so I, I I figured you had some insight on it. All right. Yeah, I, I'll be writing about the Ravens this week on the Ringer.com very soon. Actually, I am very excited about it. I have uh, scrapped all of my Ravens coverage because I assume that yours is going to be so wide sweeping and excellent that it's just not worth me doing anything so that is uh that is a safe assumption i would just scrap all your coverage for you just i I won't write anything for the rest of the just do some nba blogs or something like that you know what that's totally fine with me i'm kidding i'm i'm gonna cover the golden globes today what do you you, no i'm excited about it um what do you have this week uh i have some packer stuff coming oh i I know i I know what you have i don't want to say it do you want to say it uh sure i don't mind i mean i i no, no, well, let's yeah, save it. Let's yeah, okay. save it. You're doing a player. It. You're writing about a player. You're writing about a player. Well, I, I, I'm writing about a couple of different guys on the Packers. Okay. And uh, the Viking Saints uh, outcome today actually gave me a little bit more relevance with something I've been working on. So um, we, uh, we've we we've got some the stuff football coming. Football gods it's, work in mysterious it, ways. It, it, it's so funny because like I don't I tweeted this before we get out of here. I tweeted this, uh, I think, two, one or two days ago. And I don't think people really understand like so the, the stuff we have for the divisional round, you and I have been working on since like December 15th. Um, I, the Kittle thing, the Kittle profile I wrote was supposed to be a playoff. Thing. That was and a quick then, turnaround for you though. And then, well, I wrote it in about, I wrote it and reported it in about three days. Yes. And that's um, rare. And yeah, I mean, during training camp, it's like, that's pretty typical, but then correct. Um, this time of year, I was going to hold it. And then I was just like, this is done. It's not getting any better. Like, like just run it. And it turned out that to be the correct decision. Um, so usually, I don't know, like at least a week on, on some of these things. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where like, I think that we do a lot of planning in advance and it's, it's fun to kind of try it out for people and to, you know, be able to give them some robust coverage when the sport becomes the most relevant. And I think that that's where, that's where we are right now. Now, you've been working on the Ravens thing for a while. It's going to be excellent. I have some stuff about a certain team from Wisconsin that I'm excited about. So, Milwaukee, I, uh, it's a Giannis piece. 
<laughs> it's all about Giannis. And that yeah, it's 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 Giannis, Giannis and Yanda. It's it's yeah. it's a dual profile. But uh yeah, so uh please go check out the ringer.com this week. Um, you know, I wrote about the uh the Patriots today. Um I have a piece about Jason Garrett and the uh the Cowboys future. You know, we'll be doing pretty much everything when it comes to the playoffs over the next week, two weeks. So please go check that out. As always, we really appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much for listening to the Ringer NFL show on the Ringer Podcast Network. Thanks, guys. Before you guys leave, remember to check out Ladder. If you're married or have kids or you have a mortgage, you should really consider life insurance, even if you already have some through work. Ladder has a super easy online process, great prices, and flexible coverage you can adjust over time. $1 million policies start as little as $27 a month. Visit ladderlife.com NFL. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com NFL.